Hey guys, welcome back to this edition of our Experience Delivers podcast. Uh, today we're going to be looking at specific best practices, thought leadership, and technology that will help companies to create really incredible experiences for their customers. I'm excited today to welcome some of our Adobe rock stars to the team, uh, to, to the podcast, to talk about things like artificial intelligence, uh, the Internet of Things, and specifically looking at, at the vertical of travel and hospitality. Um, and, and what companies from, from travel should be doing when, when trying to create world-class experiences. We've got some of our best here on the line with me today. A special thanks to Julie Hoffman, who's the head of travel and hospitality. Um, we are so excited. She runs industry strategy for, for our business. Nolly Giuliana, who's the AVP of Omnichannels and IoT. And then Josh Fantander, who's going to be joining us as well, who's a group manager of product marketing. So we've got some Super cool stuff to cover with you today, uh, and I want to kick things off right over to Julie, where where she kind of gives us a high level overview of of what is Adobe doing, what's our vision when it when it comes to travel. Julie, thank you, Mark. Love that introduction. So around early two thousand, I actually moved into hospitality, and quite frankly, I actually never really booked, looked back. It's been a career and it's that's inspired me. It's also allowed me to work on something I'm incredibly passionate about, which is travel. Um, at Adobe, we like to say that we, as travel brands, create timeless experiences. And I still recall traveling to Hawaii with my two kids. And my youngest was probably around five, maybe four at the time. And she was looking out the window of the plane. And at that point, she had never seen a beach of that size before living in the desert of Las Vegas, of course, not a lot of water. And I recall her saying, I didn't think the beach was going to be that big, big, but it turns out, wow, just wow. So travel is one of the things that you take with you in life. Um, and it extends, it's timeless. And our brands are working right now to help do this and enable this for many, many travelers around the globe. But it's actually quite the challenge, right, to create a seamless experience. The digital landscape is teeming with, with people interacting across many devices. You've got mobile devices, tablets, internet televisions, you know, car dashboards, and countless other touch points. And consumers have higher expectations of their content than they ever had before. They want it personalized, and they want it relevant, and they want it delivered to them in real time. Now, we know that uh, millennials and Gen Z in particular are driving disruption with their expectations in travel. In fact, we actually executed an experience quotient. Um, it actually assesses the level of having an expectation versus being impressed about a digital capability. So we actually decided to go ahead and, and test this. And the older half of the millennial set now has an expectation that have become table stakes. So it's not a nice to have for travel brands. It's a must have. So these changes in consumer behavior and the explosion of data of all the touch points that you might engage with has resulted in a, quite a bit of disruption for our businesses. We have entire industries at risk being wiped out by a well-designed app. And we know that the smart businesses are making moves to outmaneuver the competition um, by, through attention, mindshare, and money by actually delivering on these timeless experiences. So all of this basically underscores that experiences matter more than ever. And in travel, like I said, we create timeless experiences together. And for me, I know that for you too, as well as we've spoken about it, travel is one of those things that is just very intimate. It's very personal and uh, it's meaningful to many people around the globe. Thanks, Julie. So I, I want to dive in and this is going to be kind of a fun topic for me to dive into with both Julie and Nolly. Y you talk, Julie, in that beginning portion about seamless building seamless experiences. And that's one thing we're really focused on over here at Adobe. Uh, Nolly could give us examples from, from different industries, but I'm going to have him focus a little bit today on, on what travel companies should be focusing on. Julie, give us your perspective before I jump to Nolly on what are the key challenges? All of these touch points, all of the different experiences that can be created for someone experiencing travel, what are the biggest challenges to creating omni-channel experiences? There's actually two things. Uh, one is the explosion of touch points and where you can connect with customers continues to expand over time. We're not seeing less touch points. We're seeing more, right? iWatches, eventually, you know, projection. We're going to continue to see this expansion. When I worked in travel uh, for almost 20 years in Las Vegas, uh, we did an identification 
And what we found is that we have over 34 touch points on where we actually connect with customers. Not, and that's not even including all the places where we internally connect with media partners and also press to share and exchange content. So there's many, many places where we want to get content out to a variety of places. And of course, you know, putting the customer at the center of those. The second is having data available in real time to act accordingly to where a customer is contextually in their journey. If you think about that, the data has to be where they are. So if they're live on site, you need to know that. You're, you're going to want to send them something different. Let's say that they were visiting in a location and they're now somewhere else. Sending them the offer that is at that venue, that restaurant, that dining establishment, or something that may be in an airport or you know, on a plane is really not relevant if they've already moved on to their next destination. So it has to be contextually relevant. And the data is key. Interesting. Nolly, quick question for you on that. So Julie talks about the fact that when she was working down in Vegas, there were 34 different touch points, which some people on, on the line right now are probably saying, holy cow, where would I even start? So in all the work that you've done from an omni-channel standpoint, Nolly, where should companies start? You know, it, Whether they have two touch points or one or 50 or 34, where is it that they should start? Mark, thanks for this question. Yeah, I think um, it is a kind of complicated environment for marketers nowadays to figure out uh, what are the initial engaging point, engagement points from their uh, guests or traveler standpoint. Um, it, it used to be that um, uh, traditionally, it used to be that it, it, we, we had a very traditional uh, uh funnel that we, we used to market at the top of it and try to engage with the customer and then try to convert them and, and uh, retain them as a customer. Uh, nowadays, like Julie pointed out, uh, those touch points uh, are more diverse than ever, uh, not only uh, by the way that they uh, initiate the engagement, uh, depending on the device or the method, uh, but also uh, the intent of that engagement is more diverse than ever before. Um, uh, nowadays, uh, technology is, is uh, helping marketers, it will help marketers get extremely intimate uh, within those intents and be able to uh, uh, hyper-target uh, the, the behavior of the users, uh, specifically in travel. Uh, historically, travel organizations have been uh, usually uh, very much um, uh, engaged at the uh, stage of uh, uh, booking. Uh, a customer usually tries to decide on where to go and how to go. Uh, then that customer uh, will, will uh, make that booking take place. Uh, and then this is how brand typically would engage with that customer. Um, the aspirational phase, uh, while uh, widely targeted in terms of intent through travel organization, it has been proven to be difficult uh, to be uh, outcome-driven in relationship in, to make the booking happen. Um, with new technologies around IoT, and uh, Julie uh, outlined uh, uh, wearable devices like iWatch, for example, um, you, brands now has a potential to uh, be intimately engaged at those inspirational uh, stages of travel uh, so that they are aware of uh, the intent and, and the type of intent and be able to um, uh, be uh, extending the right uh, product, the right offer uh, at the right time, uh, and then engage that uh, customer uh, to uh, at, at a level that wasn't possible before, or at least before it has been very general. Um, so that, that experience piece, as we know, right, many brands are, are changing uh, their, their branding mission, uh, not so much by their product, uh, because we do know there are uh, many travel organizations that their product seems in a lot of ways similar, uh, but then they are trying really hard, obviously, and it's the right thing to do to change their method of engagement through the experiences that are extending. With IoT and new ways of technology and, you know, extending extremely specific experiences to those end users, uh, travel organizations now, more importantly, can engage at that uh, inspirational phase and be able to uh, drive uh, 
a lot more uh, frictionless experiences uh, to that end user uh, that uh, it wasn't even possible to dream of before. That's great. Thanks, Nolly. Julie, I'm going to I'm gonna throw a fast one on you because we're friends and I can do this. I want you to tell me. <laughs> you can hit me later. Okay. In your years of working uh, down in Vegas, travel-focused companies, how has – we talk about personalization. How has that term and that practice – grown and matured over the past 20 years that you've been you've been in the space that's a great question because in terms of you know thinking over time you know personalization and in fact there's a joke in hospitality they're like it's the experience business and they they often say we've always been in the experience business and that's true right it's in terms of service in terms of supporting a customer uh, and knowing them helping them uh, being along their journey that's part of the whole aspect of travel. And that's really never changed. I think the the key differentiator is that now we have digital as an extension of service staff. So digital is a force enabler. It actually allows the brand to amplify its communication in a relevant manner, but also intimately. You know, I mean, I would ask you, Mark, what's more intimate than a device you hold near you or on your personages, right, of your body, most of your waking day? It is very intimate. And the ability to connect with a guest, a guest, a customer on mobile means that you can re- really be ready to support them no matter where, what or where they might be in a, in a moment. So if you think about previous service staff of actually having hospitality or travel or being able to support you on a journey through human um, interaction, and now you have digital to amplify that. That's really where personalization, I think, has come to the forefront. And, and of course, with the work of IoT and the ability to take in that input right, as a data source and say, well, now I know exactly where you are and I don't even have to have a human next to you. I can help you and I can support you on your journey no matter where you might be. That's the big differentiator, I think. Personalization now can come right to you, even if you're not right next to someone who's working on site as a staff member. Interesting. So, and Nolly, jumping over to you with your, your expertise and focus on, on IoT and, and Omnichannel, how, how has, has the proliferation, if you will, of, of IoT and artificial intelligence made personalization more of a real-life uh, accessible experience to travel in any, any brands today? Right. I think – it's interesting to kind of see how customers actually, uh, travelers actually are influencing adoption of IoT uh, before even, you know, brands could uh, could maybe be, uh, you know, 100% ready for it because of, uh, uh, you know, Alexa and, you know, other devices like those um, have so much eased up uh, friction that um, it wasn't so easy before to do things that are possible right now. Uh, you have these devices right now. You could ask them any question about any city, any location, weather. Uh, all these are travel-related things that are extremely simple to do uh, using those devices. Um, um, it, and and it, they are providing hyper-local experiences and travel in every way. Uh, it's very local by its nature. Um, and, and that experience that Julie talks about, right, uh, it is extremely important. So for, so I think going to IoT devices and proliferation of IT device, IoT devices, what's interesting is that, you know, how you differentiate as a brand between uh, what's a hype versus what's a value, right? Uh, we're familiar with, you know, for example, hotels uh, creating, um, you know, keyless entry. You use your uh, smartphone to uh, open your, unlock your uh, hotel room door, right? Um, some customers are hesitant to buy in. The penetration seems to be, uh, you know, not that high. Uh, I think personally that the growth will will only uh, be positive because, as those hotel brands start integrating additional services to those uh, different uh, uh, IoT possibilities within that room, uh, you will see more adoption. So, for example, right uh, today, I could only unlock my room, but imagine if I am off, you know, my airport in my, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, taxi ride, 
to my hotel room, uh, if I have my profile saved within that travel brand, and if I am able to extend that profile to that room, so not only I have now the, the, the keyless, uh, the digital key, right, if you will, but also I am configuring the environment of my room based on my profile without much effort. All of a sudden, there is a value there to extend that digital services. So you could see how that experience has all of a sudden changed. And then the second layer to this, right, is that customer service, it's more going to become real time. And, and hotel and, and travel brands could be leveraging this in a lot of ways. So, for example, if I am in my hotel room and I keep pressing specific you know, functions within that TV, uh, within IoT environment, the, the customer service uh, team within that uh, hotel would know I'm struggling with this interface, right? So then how do they extend that knowledge and that uh, first level uh, data, if you will, to their team so that they could fix those menus? Th those things weren't possible before. They are possible today. I think, you know, um, uh, with, with um, uh, travel brands trying to solve those issues, uh, as they are trying to jump into this, um, you, we've seen pieces of this taking place. We've seen adoption to be um, a little bit, uh, you know, if you will, if I may uh, kind of characterize it of inconsistent, but as more of these devices uh, get deployed within those, um, you know, um, hotel rooms or, you know, cruise ships or what have you, you will see that ecosystem start building itself and, uh, and, and that, uh, experience becomes more meaningful to the end user, but those brands would be able to capture extremely important data that was absolutely not possible to get at this pure level before. It's fantastic. Julie, talk me through. You're, you're talking to, to some of our customers on a regular basis. You've seen it firsthand because of programs that you've run. Uh, give me some examples of companies that are that are dealing with omni-channel experiences and with personalization and, and integrating IoT devices and everything else, who's doing it really well and what are they doing? I think the best examples I can give are brands that are continuing to extend the consideration that the customer is at the center and that the touch points are fluid around them. I mean, if you think about you know, orchestrating something and you have... Um, individuals who are working your organization within a certain department, those are silos within your organization. These are not silos you would want to expose to a customer. So the best brands put the customer in the center. They think about what those experiences look like fluidly. They consider how the touch points interact or engage in that process. And then they figure out ways of using IoT and other localized um, contextual information so that they can then ensure that that information is correct and accurate. So we have a, a few different examples of brands who are leveraging that where on the fly, if you're, let's say, at an airport, you will get one message if you're actually in the airport. And then if you leave the airport and you're in a new destination, you get a completely different message because the venues and the restaurants and the offerings that might be on site at the airport are no longer relevant to you because you've now left. Um, another great example is... Um, one of our brands who works in hospitality, and they will slowly give you information based on whether you're about ready to start your journey or actually if you're in Barcelona, per se. So you might get preceded some information contextually about the fact that there's some tours or some activities that they're aware that you might be interested in. And then as you actually head out on, on the day of your journey and they know that you're taking your trip that day, they will customize it to showcase what those offerings are live while you are on site um, and give you some you know, day of experiences. So we see this uh, flexion point of, hey, this is really relevant to you. This is happy hour happening now. I mean, if you were two weeks away from your trip, showing you what's happening for happy hour that day is not really very relevant. So we see the brands who are working on that space. Another thing is there's a lot of testing that's starting to happen. So I was actually in London for our EMEA summit. And while I was there, I was staying at a, at a hotel and the hotel was testing at six different locations, um, mobile dining ordering on your, your own personal device, right? So instead of calling through the phone or calling or actually accessing like a tablet in the room, you can actually order your in-room dining on your phone. 
So shifting more and more services to your own personal device for easy accessibility is now also a shift that we're seeing. So I think the best of the best are really thinking about the fact that most people who use mobile devices, they're using it for something personal, like even an alarm. I mean, when was the last time you used an alarm in a hotel room? Not very often. Or even streaming your own personal content, right, for videos on airlines. Um, you know, it's there's definitely the shift of how do we help you I like to call it home away from home media devices, right? So how do you use your device and then allowing and enabling customers to use your device on your journey so that you don't really have to try to figure something else new. Um, that's where I see the tipping point. Interesting. Nolly, jumping back over to you. So, you know, we talk about things like ordering ordering your food from your own personal device. You know, maybe you switch over to your desktop experience. Maybe you're interacting with a TV at the hotel. There's so many different touch points. What's Adobe's perspective today on, on how you go about delivering all of this content to you know, a myriad of different devices? How, what's your perspective? Where do people start? So, yeah, I think there are obviously, right, there, is, there are multiple ways to, to address those, those challenges. But from our perspective at Adobe, uh, for us, everything is focused around the experience ecosystem. So how do we deliver, how do we differentiate brands through experiences so that, you know, those end users are feeling delighted after any interaction that they make with that brand? So uh, with AEM, obviously, right, we, the consistency of omni-channel for us is, is a big part to uh, our platform. So we have different uh, technologies in place uh, to help marketers and brands to be able uh, to facilitate those c- consistent experiences through um, uh, in ways that were not possible before. Uh, we have our Adobe Sensei AI technology uh, that helps facilitate that. Um, I mean, think about it, right? Before, managing one or two or three experiences used to be a really uh, large effort uh, in terms of budget and resources. Uh, I, I remember when I was at the travel, uh, working at the travel sector, um, we use, you know, when, when we, we first heard that one of the, you know, one of the brand manages, I think, you know, five or six experience, we were like, wow, right? Well, that's big effort, right? Uh, nowadays with, you know, with uh, AEM, with Adobe Sensei, we could extend hundreds of experiences in dynamic way uh, that, you know, that was not possible before. And um, the proliferation of this first-party data and the way we manage that data, the way we build that profile uh, of experience and being able to facilitate to build that dynamically and push it to the end user and to, to the points that Julie mentioned, right? If I am landing in, in, in New York City and if I am exiting the airport, right, uh, at this point, what is the experience that I am getting that's catered to me but also it is localized to the environment in which I am in. I'm out of the airport. I am heading to my hotel. I am already thinking about the experience that I want to have in New York City. So what is the type of experience I need to have at this, at this point? With Adobe AEM, nowadays that's possible. That's possible to do. And it is, it is very engaging in the way that's done. Um, so, so that's one way to do it. I think, I think what's interesting about it is that... Um, those um, 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 the, the the notion that Julie talked about, right? The the, the mobile phone, right? Uh, that becoming more of a central hub of engagement, if you will, for those travelers, because uh, it serves like a single point of integration of everything else that user is doing. And uh, with AEM, obviously, uh, for us, just like another channel, uh, we could extend that experience to that display and, and engage with that user in the same manner. Um, it could be in the hotel lobby. And uh, we, we, we again, it's, for us, it's just another omni-channel, right? We could have AEM screens in the hotel lobby and uh, have that experience uh, available for the end user. We could build integration between the mobile app and those displays. So, for example, what's the first thing I do when I go to a hotel lobby? Usually you know, most of the time is asking what are good restaurants around this area? Uh, so um, imagine if, if that's all dynamically extended to the end user so that the end user doesn't have to think about it. You, I, I land at this spot, I go to this hotel. Uh, my experience on the app is so localized to me that 
you know, it's extending the potential option of places that I could go eat uh, without much effort at, at my end. So, so yeah, so uh, it's all possible. I mean, Adobe is at the forefront of this with uh, Adobe Sensei and, you know, exp- experience fragments and what have you. So um, um, lots of potential there, basically. So can I chime in there? Because I, so I love that. So experience fragments, which Nali may not know, I don't know if I share this with him, actually came from some of my work when I was in hospitality for almost 20 years. I was part of the customer advisory board for Adobe, and we would meet uh, with groups of executives and talk about the things that we dreamed of. And one of my dreams was, you know, I want to put something into a system once and be able to use it and use different flavors of it, no matter if it's on desktop or if it's on a mobile app or a mobile device or picture in picture at a slot machine. Um, I would always say restaurant hours are restaurant hours are restaurant hours. They don't really change. And I don't want to have to put content in multiple times. And I might want to extend that information out to media, right? So if you think about putting something in once and then being able to reduce, reuse and recycle and then push it everywhere, the goal was to get this to be evangelized. Now, let's go back to my example before of 34 touch points. What human being could dynamically consider 34 touch points and the iterations you would need to to personalize at scale? You just physically can't do that. Or I should say from a resource perspective, I don't know that anyone would want to do that. It would just be too labor intensive. But now with Adobe Sensei, you can go in and allow the machine to do that work for you. It allows the scale to happen. And I think that's probably one of the biggest shifts that we've seen, you know, even going back to your original question about how personalization has changed is the ability to put something in once, treat it like data and be able to reduce, reuse and recycle it. And it can extend to as many touch points as you possibly could ever want. That's interesting. I, I love the idea of, of, of simply scale. The fact that, you know, you go back to Nolly's comment about, you know, doing fi- five touch points or whatever back in the day would have been, would have been a big task. Today, with the technology that's available and the processes that are, that are in place, you can literally build it once and extend it to hundreds of screens, thousands of screens if you wanted to, right? Yep. You just have to have a different iteration. That's why I always uh, think it's interesting as we turn talks about, we talk about like iWatch or I honestly think we'll eventually see projection happen where you'll be able to project something out visually and, and be able to engage with it um, in even more dynamic fashion. If you think about that in, in context, if you still put it in as data, this is a, you know, a restaurant or um, this is information about the airline or the airport or a cruise ship or a restaurant, you can extend it anywhere. And then you just modify that visual lens of you know, how big is it? What's the graphic interface look like in terms of you know, creative and, and pictures? And then how do you actually express it? Right? And then you can also use the machine like Sensei, allow you to determine what is the best in end iteration of what that offering might be. And it'll be able to determine that faster than anyone on this call. Yep. I think, I think what's interesting here in Ali and Julie is that we have to put ourselves in the, in the position, which from a travel standpoint, we often are as, as the consumer, as a consumer, we don't care if there are a hundred touch points. We don't care if there's two touch points. What we care about is when I want to be engaged with, whether it's on that screen or that watch or that phone or that desktop, I want it to be personalized to me. And I don't want to have to think about it. Like Nolly said, I want them to provide experiences, whether it's restaurants or whatever else, that make me not even have to think. I show up in the hotel or the airline has taken care of, of so much that they literally have taken They've made my life easier. They've, they've made the experience that much better. Yes. Uh, give me your perspective on that, Julie. Yes. Yeah, so, so the funny thing is before I even joined Adobe, um, again, working in travel for almost 20 years, I had given several keynotes. And one of my keynotes was about giving people their time back, right? So, so years and years ago, you pick up the phone, you talk to a human being, and you could get service on anything. You could you know, talk to that human being, and, and it would be a very quick process. You know, then marketing automation came. And with marketing automation, here you are with 18 million phone prompts. They want to know your social security number, what your dog's name is, everything else on the phone. And, you're like, and all you want to say is representative. 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 Right? And then you, you keep getting it. Or zero never works. And you're like, no, you can't turn off zero because you're trying to fast track it, right? So automation basically put more work on the customer. 
And then you started seeing there was this explosion of products on the shelf. Um, my my best example is on um, uh, basically tomato sauces, right? For for um, spaghettis and and pastas, they ended up determining through some consumer research that there wasn't any chunky line of sauce. So then they added that and it became something like a $600 or $800 million line item. And of course, other brands learned, well, I can expand my product offering. So then there was this explosion on the physical shelves. I mean, if you go now, it doesn't really matter if it's a grocery store or if it's a retail chain, there's all these products that were not there before. And then of course, that puts a lot of burden on the customer to go in and sift through that. How do I figure this out? What's there? What do I buy? Which toothpaste should I look at for whatever purpose, right? I have sensitive teeth, which one? There's like 300 and you're like, okay, I have only so much time before the actual physical shelves used to be much, much shorter. And then after, on top of that, on top of the product explosion, what you saw was an actual explosion about information about all these products on the shelf. Because now there's all this these review sites, they're your friends' reviews, there's your family, whoever else you might know who has purchased these products or had these experiences, who are now opining on what those offerings are and whether you should you know, evaluate this. So there's a huge evaluation period. And then you have to scrub all this. You have to go to different sites, you have to go to different places, to get the information to figure out what to do. And then social media happened. And I love social media. Not that I'm a huge fan of social media in general, but I love what the impact of social media done, which is it gave power back to the consumer. And the consumer to say, you're going to listen to me because I can now, I can now control the audience. I can be a part of the audience. And that audience will listen to me because I'm their peer. And you have to help me get some better service. So then brands started saying, okay, how do I help you provide better service? Because I would really rather not have all of this negative commentary about my brand because I'm failing over here. So you slowly see that uh, automation, machine learning at scale is enabling the brands, like the travel brands, be able to provide that types of personalization and that scale and all of those localized experiences. And at the end of the day, what it really does is it gives people their time back. And to me, that's one of the most meaningful things you can ever do because there's only 86,400 seconds in a day. That's all you get. You cannot borrow from the past. You cannot take from the future. You only have this moment. And travel brands are starting to meet that need and they're bringing those personalized experiences to customers. And now customers can take that and you know basically have, if they're only on vacation, let's say 2.6 days or five days, they spend less of their time trying to figure out what to do and they can just enjoy it which means you're creating more and more of these timeless experiences for people around the globe. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? I mean, that's why I stayed in travel all these years. Julie, the thing that I'm most impressed with right now is that you know that there are 86,400 seconds (laughs) a day. Um, That's that's pretty impressive. Nolly, I want to get your perspective. All of these companies and all the cool tech, whether it's IoT or AI or VR, AR, whatever, that's coming out, it, are they fads or are they things that are actually driving success and and growth for businesses around the world? For for just before I get to your question, Mark, for for a few minutes at the end there, uh, I I always feel like when I listen to Julie, I am si- I'm listening to Audible and listening to a good marketing book. <laughs> and you know, sometimes I like I, I tell myself, okay, we'll recognize she's a live person speaking to you right now. Yeah. So I am a human being, good, <laughs> but I love this space. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, so yeah, I, I want to actually cover something. It's important that Julie has been pointing out, right, in, in relationship to personalization and the possibilities of of kind of you know today's reality, right? What brands could do to to, to customers. And what does that mean to brands? At the end of the day, brands have to make money out of those experiences, right? Extending those experiences. So it's interesting to me how some, in some ways, right? So for example, airlines managed to sell specific seats to specific you, you know, travelers for a while now already, right? So you prefer an aisle, aisle seat, you pay extra money for it. If you get, you know, specific seats at the front of the airplane, you, you pay more for that, right, et cetera, et cetera. Hotels recently, right, they, they extended their hotel maps into the end users and travelers, right, you're able to check in. But imagine this, right, imagine today what's possible, like, so for example, with Adobe Sensei and AEM in general, right, imagine if, if I just 
love to be closed by elevator because for me, right, I finish my night, right, I'm up, I showered, I'm ready to go. I grab my bag and then I want to be as close as I could be to the elevator. So as a traveler, I am willing to pay another $20, $30 for that room closed by elevator, right? It's important for that hotel brand to know that about me, right? And and that that I am able to pay that extra money for that room. On the other hand, right, um, Julie may not want to stay close to the elevator because she wants to be a, to have a quiet room that doesn't hear, hear the ding of the elevator every every five minutes. Exactly. Right? So exactly. So, so she wants to pay fifty dollars to be away from that elevator, right? <laughs> or she wants to have that different window set up, right? That she wants to pay extra money for it, right? And I know she could afford it. So. Um, how how hotel brands are doing this, right? So, for example, are they able to extend these type of configurations to the end users, right? So far, as you all know, right, you could go to any hotel brand typically. You could choose your rooms based on queen or king bed. Typically, you know, a pool view or, or an ocean view or what have you, right? It doesn't go to specifics more than typical things that they are very general in, in their nature, right? So... Take, take that kind of concept and, and extend it to the brand value, right? Uh, number one, as a brand, how, how am I able to extend that best room for the, for the customer that views it as best room for their preference and, and allow them to have it and they are able to pay for it? Then in return as a brand, right, I'm providing excellent experiences to allow the customer to configure their stay, but also I am making extra money out of it, right? So... Things like this used to be really complicated to do before. Uh, with Adobe Sensei and, and AEM in general, nowadays you could extend that. But users are still demanding this type of configuration and, and personalization. So, um, you know, like iWatch is another example, right? You know, a lot of you know people argue if it is an IoT or it's not an IoT device. You know, it's probably hover. You know, as being an IoT, sometimes sometimes it's not, right? But imagine, you know, the level of, of data that device captures and able to um, uh, extend, right, to the brand so that, you know, just the notion of CRM is totally different, right? The way you handle that call when, when that customer asks to press zero or speaks to a representative to speak to a customer service, right, the level of knowledge brand could potentially have about that customer in terms of, you know, how to personalize that call, how to address those issues, right? It's totally in a different level, right, nowadays. But but again, right, I think we still see brands that um, they do have a little bit of kind of, uh, 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 if you will, gap between their digital experiences, which they seem to be decent uh, at most of the time, versus the physical experiences within those venues which is basically is a departure from that digital experiences because, uh, again, technology hasn't been able yet uh, in terms of implementation to make them fluid as, as the experience on their smart devices or then the computer, right? So the question is, how do we bridge those, right? So, uh, for example, right, uh, with Adobe AEM screens, uh, we are able nowadays to... Uh, extend through again, right through experience fragments and and you know extending those uh, you know uh, uh, profiles of users to these uh, uh, physical venues. We're able to bridge that gap in a way that users uh, are not feeling uh, somehow uh, departing from a fluid experience online, engaging with a little bit more archaic physical experience in the venue. We're bridging that. We're extending that experience to the in venue. We're allowing to those customers to engage um, and and provide um, that data again back to the brand, but also allowing the brand to, to provide more services uh, to that end user. So, you know, for example, you could be going to, to a restaurant and the restaurant menu is adjusting uh, to your based on your liking and preferences on what type of food you like, for example. So let's say you know, you like, you know, vegetarian food, you know, that menu will be customized to you because your profile uh, has adjusted based on that. We are able to, to extend that experience so that in venue uh, is feeling modern as much as the, the digital is modern. 
the whole aspect around dynamically delivering a menu. So if you think about how much time it takes for someone to find food that they want to eat or consume, or maybe they have an, an allergy or they have, you know, some things that they are trying to work around, you can imagine having menus modify on the fly based on the fact that, you know, somebody has driven up to a drive up window, you scan their license plate, you potentially know that this person has um, issues with these types of foods, you've seen them order other things. And so the menu automatically changes on the fly to showcase those offerings that they would be most likely to want to purchase instead of having them scan a board and figure out, you know, this is the thing that's going to work for me based on maybe my dietary restrictions or something of that nature. And I know, you know, you're thinking about ROI, I worked in the space 20 years and I worked in the space 20 years because I was very successful at driving ROI. ROI really ties back to taking those segments and being able to modify what you deliver to them and ensure that it's meaningful and relevant. Uh, we have examples of brands where they're seeing a 270x improvement in conversion rate by modifying the experiences or having multiple experiences that they think a customer might be interested in versus just one static customization. It really does come down to that. And you can see that the ROI is available as long as you know the, the actual company, the travel brand is working behind the scenes to identify what those segments are that are, that are important and ensure that they have something to deliver on the content side to meet those needs. Julie, that brings up an interesting question. Um, you know, ROI, which is kind of the, <laughs> the golden term or acronym that matters to every, every marketer or business owner out there. You know, to, to, to some people, they may come and say, wow, but it's going to take me, take me a lot of money to be able to implement those different technologies and get them running and staffing them. But what people aren't remembering is that, yes, it might take some money to get that up and running. However, if you're going to see a 200 and whatever percent increase in click-through rates, that's going to mean many, many dollars on the back end. So how do you explain to, to your executive leadership that, yes, it's going to cost us some money to get this up and running, but this will yield return? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, a, a broad-based statement that is very meaningful, that is, um, you know, I, what I consider has the most truth to it, is that how sustainable are you going to be if you don't improve your experience? Will you be here tomorrow if you don't improve your experience for your customer? Or will you become a dinosaur and be slowly moved out by all the brands who are starting to create these meaningful experiences? And if you see other brands having 10%, 20%, 30%, 300% improvement in conversion rate or engagement rate, would you not want to be a part of that group who is starting to move the needle on their business? I would be one of one of those that would want to move the needle, uh, not just for the shake of the bottom line. It is, I mean, the bottom line obviously helps to fuel the company. But if you bring the experience to the customer, you know, one, that's satisfaction in and of itself because you've done something well and you've done something that's going to be with them for a lifetime. But then also secondarily, you know, you are going to see results from that because the customer is going to react in a positive manner. It's I know for sure for my own experiences, it doesn't matter what I purchased, if I have something come to me a little bit more seamlessly, a little bit easier, and I, I do less work, I am much more apt to buy. Everyone knows about the frictionless Amazon experience for, for purchasing, right? One-click purchase. I can't tell you how many times I've thought about something. And I'm like, I think, yeah, I'm just going to go look. There it is. Boom, bought it. And I'm on my way to an appointment. Like I don't even have to really stop what I'm doing. I think that's where we all need to strive to be. Fantastic. But it's interesting. It's interesting the, the 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 kind of curve of maturity of expectations, right? In terms of just digital marketing in general, uh, I remember when I was a practitioner. Um, at some point, we spent uh, a lot of hours justifying why we should have a social media team to address social media needs, right? Uh, it was a process of justification. How many brands nowadays think that we should have a social media team? It's, it's basically a given they should have a social media team, right? So um, things we we're, talked about, we we're talking about today, right? Basically, so for example, right, extending hundreds of experiences to end users. Um, it, it seems right now uh, something that a marketer um, has to justify in terms of ROI and value. Uh, but it's interesting is that, you know, demand of, of users, right? The expectation, Julie talked about a little bit, you know, users as publishers nowadays through social media, 
they have the power to make things happen. Uh, it's interesting, you know, how that will influence the speed in which uh, digital marketers will mo- almost be uh, obligated uh, to create those experiences, to have those IoT point of integrations. Uh, so, for example, if I have, you know, a leakage in my hotel room, uh, a sensor should know that leakage and, and provide that information to the to the maintenance team before me as a guest of that hotel should know ever about it, right? Um, so that level of engagement, that level of satisfaction, uh, I, I think it will be uh, um, uh, influenced mostly by the voice of the users because users are demanding those experiences. And, and there is a little bit of, of kind of, you know, uh, envy of brands, right? Because we all, like Julie talked about with uh, one click, when you get used to it, when you go to a different brand and go through shopping experiences, if it's not there, you feel something is missing, right? And you start measuring based on those benchmarks. So then the question is, if I engage with, you know, uh, a brand of ABC and that brand is extending those, you know, um, uh, timeless, if you will, experiences to me as an end user, right? Uh, and, and delighting me every time I engage with them, um, the other competitive brand will be mostly forced to, to, to provide them. Um, I don't know if you guys follow uh, yeah, I do. Uh, Cars News. Yeah. Uh, so what was interesting, uh, right, Consumer Report um, um, didn't uh, recommend Tesla Model 3 as a car because of the braking distance. And um, Tesla, uh, within a week, pushed over-the-air over update, software update to that car and fixed that braking distance and and you know the car now is recommended in consumer report imagine this right you you even you buy a car that car is is taking advantage of new technology advancements and improving of of of, of that value uh, right and a residual value uh, uh, in ongoing basis these things were not possible before but nowadays are possible and customers you're going to see Customers are going to continue to demand them, and uh, brands will be obligated to, to answer those demands. That's awesome. Julie and, and Nolly, I, this has been absolute gold. Anybody who's listening is, is nodding their head with me right now. I do, want, I do want to close out, but I want to give both of you an opportunity to, to answer this last question for me. And Nolly, we'll start with you. I'm, I'm really interested in getting your perspective on if, you, if you're the CEO, the CMO, the COO, whatever, of a big travel company today, what is the biggest opportunity you see that, that brands need to jump on to make sure that they get the experience right? I think um, there are two things as an opportunity. Number one, um, I, I think there is a huge opportunity in the top of the funnel with the travel in the inspirational segment. How do I uh, clear the noise out and be able to target the right customer with the right message? Obviously, as you know, ad campaigns, a lot of them go to waste because, you know, a lot of them are not, you know, super targeted. Just because you visited, you know, a website that says something, then you get ads based on that. That may not mean a lot of, of value to you as an end user, as a customer. So I think there's a potential there for, for brands to extend more personalized experiences to their end users. And, you know, we talked about this during this podcast about how you, uh, you know, release yourself from thinking, uh, you know, a single experience can answer every, everybody's question, right? To think volume, right? Uh, leverage the power of AI to push hundreds of experiences to hundreds of users and let them enjoy personalized um, 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 uh, experiences uh, as they engage with your brand. So that that will be one area, uh, which is the top of the funnel uh, type of, of, uh, of cycle. The second one would be in venue. The physical experiences continue to be uh, trailing behind the digital experiences. And there's a tons of room there to add value as a brand into that relationship with the customer. What do I need to do to delight my customer and extend what I learned about them uh, on their digital engagement with me uh, while they are in my property or they are in my airplane or in my cruise ship? What do I do there 
to extend that experience. Um, we, obviously, we have you know a line of products there that we could assist with, but that will be the second area to bridge the gap between the two environments. Thanks, Nolly. Julie, bring us home. I, I want to hear what 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 are the biggest opportunities <laughs> you see in travel today. I you know I would echo Nolly's two points. I think those are a perfect closure in terms of. Uh, the opportunity, especially with inspiration and travel, there is, uh, you know, a great deal of differentiation that can happen up front. And that differentiation starts to set the tone for how a travel brand can become something special and loyalty can be built over time. I think the best analogy I can give is in terms of a present. When you receive a present by someone who knows you versus someone who doesn't know you, it's a lot more meaningful because they often have insights into who you are, what you like, and why some random thing to someone else would be very meaningful to you. So think about your brands in terms of what are you packaging up for a customer and how do you make that meaningful? And leverage, in particular, social media. Social media is a goldmine of information, of data points that can be considered as attributes for a customer. I have two examples. One, I was working in Las Vegas at a brand called Paris Las Vegas, if you've ever been there. And we actually took all of the different aspects of the hotel, dining, entertainment, nightlife, restaurants, and said, you know, what do customers really care about the most? And we scraped manually scraped. So this wasn't, there was no AI or machine learning back when I did this. We scraped it to find out what customers thought about the brand. And the number one reason they stayed there was because of fountain show views of the Bellagio across the street. Now this is all readily accessible on social media today. I'm sure you'd, if you went there, you'd still see lots of references about the fountain show views of Bellagio. But here it is, the Bellagio is not owned by Paris Yet the customers are staying there because of Paris, Paris's view, right, of that fountain and how it would go off. And it's obviously we have 10,000 visitors a day that would visit the Bellagio fountains. So we started using that in our digital media. We started putting in our search copy, you know, fountain show views. Um, you would have seen it, you know, in any of the ads if you were um, witnessing it at the time. And it had substantial performance uptick. Uh, you know, I saw 25% increase in conversion rate, which is substantial when you consider about search budgets and also search performance overall. Um, at the time, I think it was like a thousand percent return on ad spend. It was phenomenal. So imagine increasing that by 25% because of what customers had to say about your brand and what they thought of it. And then another example was when I worked um, across the street, a little bit around down the road, and we looked at what customers were saying again about the brand. And there was many, many things that they loved about the brand. And I said to myself, well, could many things become one big thing? And it turns out it can. And so we leveraged all the wonderful things that customers thought about the brand. And we put that into our digital media and used that content and that creative. And what happens is it really resonated across the customers because they're like, yes, that's very meaningful to me. Um, you know, the beds are like sleeping on a cloud. Um, you do have, you know, amazing restaurant experiences with, you know, Michelin star chefs and we love this. And so we took all the many things and it became one big thing and it really drove substantial performance improvement. So leverage what the customers have to say about you. Social media is a goldmine to really fill in the data aspect around the customer profile and bring that to life. Fantastic. Again, special thanks to Julie and Nolly who have been here with me today talking a little bit about Everything from AI to machine learning to IoT and how travel companies today should be using technology like that to create the very best possible experiences. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining. We'll be talking to you soon.